Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That is Eric over there. Hello. Vanessa over there. Hi. And I am not Kelly. I am <laughs> Tony. I will be That's filling right. in for Kelly. Yeah, we've got Tony in here today and he's in Kelly's spot. Um, sure, you guys have a lot of questions. Is there anything you'd like to address, Vanessa? Or No, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, but I ah. will say... Tony, you are such a ray of sunshine, oh. and it's so nice to have you here with us and in the hot seat. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm always happy to jump in where needed, and uh, nothing makes me happier than talking about uh, horror movies anyway, and yeah. we're going to be hitting folk horror today, which nice. I'm looking forward to talking about. Let's uh, actually get to one of my favorite segments of Strange Eons, which is what have you been watching slash reading lately? Well, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> so I went to the theater and saw, I know, the, in the theater with nice. human beings, <laughs> sat there, well. had popcorn and everything. Um, I went and saw The Batman. Uh, what's your take? Okay. Well, all right. So <laughs> I assumed it was going to be very bad from the trailer and I had zero enthusiasm and um, I loved it. It is one of the best Batman movies I've seen. Wow. Yeah. That was unexpected. I, I agree regarding the trailer. I was very, uh, I was very nonplussed by the trailer yeah. because, well, the, and there's something that I think you guys even talked about this on an earlier episode. Um, one of the things that is like one of the most annoying trailer cliches for me is a, is the slowed down folky version <laughs> of a cover song yeah. by a famous rock band. And Absolutely. in this case, it's Nirvana Yep. and, uh, you know, over lots of like, you know, slow motion dissolves and, <laughs> yeah. you know, splashing water and, you know, a uh, perfect brooding cheekbone guy and all that. So it's, yeah. it's nice to hear that there's something more to it than a bad trailer. Absolutely. I, I never had a problem with the casting of Pattinson in that. Cause I think Me he's either. way gone way beyond any proving he's, he's a good actor. He's Absolutely. A good actor. Is he pretty good? Batman. Well, there's the guys who are really good as Batman, and then there are the guys who are really good as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Sometimes there's been a one or two that are good at both. Does he have a leaning? He, uh, oh, yes. So most people play Bruce Wayne as like millionaire, playboy, like suave, has it all together, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. This is messy. Bruce Wayne. This is early Batman where his outfit isn't, he's like duct taped some shit together. It doesn't function all the way correctly. Like he, he, most people are just making fun of him as he's going out and doing the thing he's doing because it's a new thing to Gotham and he's not good at it and he doesn't have the right reasons to be doing what he's doing. So he's just pissed oh, and he's angry and he, it, it, actually the Kurt Cobain Nirvana reference is mm -hmm. very apt because that's what it feels like. It feels like a guy who like slams the door, goes into his room, turns off all the lights and listens to <laughs> Nirvana at full blast crying about the loss of Kurt. Like this is who he is. Like he's got smeared eyeliner and... Is he like 
He's not quite emo Batman, is he? He's, I mean, a <laughs> little, Bruce? but but not like soft. He's definitely not soft. Like he, it has some of the best fighting sequences I've seen. Mm. Again, because he gets hurt every time he punches somebody. You're like, God, that feel. I feel it. I feel mm. how much energy is in this. I, I really right. good. I, I think the best of the current superhero movies have been drawing from a lot of kind of more visceral, almost 70s style action. And it sounds like yeah. this one follows suit with that. It know? does. And I, it's, I like that there are rough edges that this guy is duck, literally duct taping stuff together. It's <laughs> unreal. Yeah. There's there's a moment. I, I hope you both get to see it. There's a, mo- a moment with a costume uh, malfunction that is, <laughs> oh, it's so good and so bad. But I, it, overall, it felt a lot more like a mix of Tim Burton and film noir and the actual comics, mm. like the actual like pages of, of the way that Batman is structured rather than the cinematic Hollywood version. Yeah. So it just really spoke to wow. me as a, a comic um, fan. Nice. Well, my, my one this week, one of the ones I'm talking about was not quite as good of an experience. Sure. <laughs> I finally saw the new Scream. Ah, Fun. Did you I am, despise it as much as Kelly did? <laughs> I am not a scream hater by any means. I really like the first yeah. one. I think the first one borders on, for the time, revolutionary and what it did for the world of horror and the ability to continue to have horror films made with any kind of a budget um, or to have horror book sections in Walden books and stuff. I mean, it did a lot more than a lot of people realize. However... <laughs> uh-huh. That shtick of being self-aware has almost gone to the point of it's parody annoying now in the world of social media because all the stupid cracks people say when there's any kind of a giant event going on that someone doesn't happen to be interested in, they got to make some stupid crack like, oh, something's going on. And Mm it's just this weird awareness of the world or pretending you're not aware of the world Mm. and learning about it has been done to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they really, really needed to advance the advance the storytelling concept of this movie, and they didn't. And it just, it was really disappointing. Um, so this is like, so this is like the the meta twenty first century equivalent of let's shoot that zombie in the chest, let's shoot it in the arm, let's shoot it in the stomach, let's shoot it in the head, shoot it in the head. Yeah, so we're, <laughs> exactly. we're at that we're at that level of you know, redundancy mm-hmm. and we need to move on. Yes. Yeah. 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 Any we, need to, to, we need to, we need to know what's going on. Yes. We need to understand it. We do Ex- understand it. Exactly. Yeah. The, the best people in it were the people that were in the original ones. Some of the new people they brought in were not, some were good, but some were not very good. And it was just, I don't know. It was just, yeah. by the end, it was just like, well, damn. <laughs> yeah. I found the lead intolerably irritating. <laughs> her her sister was great. Uh, the boyfriend was fine. You know, the friends were okay. But like that lead, I was like, why? <laughs> you suck, dude. Just stop. Let's just move the camera. Every time the camera's on her, I'm like, let's just see where, where someone else is. What what are they up to? Yeah. Are they making cereal? Yeah. I want to see that. It was, it was a it had a couple good moments of things I enjoy, especially in a super low budget movie. You see it all the time. Mm where there's movie posters on the background. It's a little weird to see in a movie of this budget, but that like the scene in the living room when they're all trying to talk about, oh, maybe it's you, maybe it's you. We're all <laughs> friends. It's always a friend, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking around going, oh, 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 
just some more of that one poster. I think I know what it is. Yeah, I was like, I'm not paying attention. Yeah, yet, that, that's bad. <laughs> there is something wrong with the filmmakers when you're looking at what's on the wall and not what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, well, the newest thing that I've seen actually, I uh, was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake mm. that is currently streaming on Netflix. Have seen. Um, I, you know, I don't think I despised it as much as Kelly did. Uh, it's not a good movie per se. Um, but I, I was expecting something straight up dreadful. And what I got was not in my opinion, straight up dreadful. I, I mean, I respected their attempt to update it. And I thought the one shtick that is in the trailer with there, there's a large attack on a bus basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, you know, a whole fleet of, uh, kids on this bus of influencers. Um, they raise their cell phones in, in unison as Leatherface prepares to um, cut them all down. And uh, they, they say, okay, well, you know, you're totally going to get canceled if you touch us, bro. And that, that I thought was pretty hysterical. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that was, you know, that was, that was like the apex of the movie's cleverness. I did feel like most of the characters actually for the most part didn't do dumb movie character things i'd say at least 75 percent of the time it was like what they were doing sort of felt like it made sense in the context of panic and and horror hmm. um i did like the fact that it does ascribe to the official horror movie rule which is that anyone can die at any time because mm, uh, yeah. it did a reasonably good job of manipulating you into thinking oh this is a person we're going to hang our hat on as the hero and then boom they're gone that happens about three times in the movie. Um, that said, uh, it's also really super heavy handed in places. I mean, you guys talked about some of this um, and I just, I'm kind of over, you know, the horror goes on uh, endings, you know, uh, it's like, Oh, sure. yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, it's, wrap it's it up, people. yeah, wrap exactly. It up. <laughs> I mean, if it's, you know, if it's done elegantly, it can, you know, it can be like, riveting and make you go, Oh my God, I want to see the next one. Otherwise you just roll your eyes. And I solidly rolled my eyes at the end of this one for sure. Oh yeah. 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 It was, I think the thing it did best was the violence, the key. Yeah. I mean, it's a horror film, so you expect yeah. violence and it did have its first massacre. An actual yeah. Oh massacre. God, that's right. Absolutely. Um, I, it was just, it was kind of like scream, just kind of disposable. Yeah. I, and that's the thing too. I, 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 it's funny because as I'm talking about it, I'm trying to summon up memories of the movie and there's not a lot that's sticking out aside from that scene and the very end. Um, there were some things that it tried that didn't work. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I adore Marilyn Burns. I think she was wonderful and perfect in the first movie. Um, I like the idea of Sally Hardesty coming back as a law enforcement officer, you know, with like, you know, and I mean, it was an obvious nod to the whole Jamie Lee Curtis post-traumatic stress disorder thing that she goes through in the 2018 sure. Halloween. But at the same time, I appreciated that. And I, I didn't see it as disrespectful, which I think a lot, a lot of people were actually complaining about how horribly disrespectful they thought it was to have another actress besides Marilyn Burns playing this character. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't so much ascribe to that. Uh, if the movie would have been better, it would have been nice. But you know, yep. say lovey. I mean, it was it was a it was an amiable hour and twenty minutes, and uh, 
it grossed me out and it made me laugh once or twice. And uh, I have officially forgotten three quarters of it <laughs> literally exactly, yeah. in the last two days. <laughs> High praise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, in preparation for today, I so much like Eric, I bought that box set from Severin. Oh. All oh, the Haunts nice. BRs. Yes. Uh, it's such, I mean, I've got like, I've only got a couple of box sets and that's right there with my <laughs> Friday the 13th. Box so set, good. So. Oh. Um, and that's uh, the, the All the Haunts BRs. Um, and it comes with a special documentary, which I know is also available on Shutter, which is... Yeah, and they're actually streaming most of the movies that are on they, that box set yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. they are. Um, Woodlands, Dark and Days Bewitched. Um, so I, I watched this documentary... Oh, I was like almost crying by the end because it was so painful to keep sitting through it. It's oh, really? Really long. <laughs> it's so long. And I was like, there's so there's like chapter sections. Have you seen this, Tony? No, I haven't. I've heard okay. it's very well, I mean it's like three hours long, isn't it's it? It's three hours long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which was already bad because I was just very tired and I just wanted to go to bed. And it wasn't letting <laughs> probably, me. Probably not the best viewing <laughs> time or experience you had where you're going, well. And this is this could be the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I just wanted to end. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, I also think it wasn't like I was having a really hard time paying attention. There, there's like five segments to it where it's breaking up different kinds of folk horror, but they're both too loose and too, I don't want to say specific, but it, it feels like odd random categories to try and loop everything together. And a lot of them would have, a lot of the films they talk about would have overlapped into those other categories. And so it's sort of arbitrary to an extent. And at one point you're like, why aren't you talking about this? Oh, it's because it's going to be under your like foreign films or your American films or your whatever this is. Um, I think it just, it was just very long and it, it tried to make folk horror a very, very, very big loose genre, which meant they had to talk about everything. Oh, sure. Mm. The uh, documentary they produced, the same company produced, had that problem as well when they were talking about, um, like, Tales from the Crypt kind of... Anthologies. Anthology, yeah. yeah. Right, and there's, yeah. it's full of really interesting things. Yeah. I wish I'd watched it in 20 or 30-minute blocks. Yeah, totally. Like, um, I think yeah, it's like two solid... Yeah, I, I have that one. Tales of the Uncanny yes, is what it's called. Right, yeah. And yeah, it's got a lot of interesting information, uh, a lot of insightful commentary mm -hmm. from some very interesting people in front of, behind the camera, yeah. and writers mm -hmm. uh, about horror. But it, 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 it feels a little dry. And with that yeah. one, you can mm -hmm. kind of understand mechanically why it does in a way, because it's all done... I mean, so much of it was done at the height of the pandemic, so it's done via Zoom. You know, you've got a oh, lot of Zoom course. interviews, so it feels a little bit you know, it feels a little bit less distanced, but, or a little bit more distance, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I think all the people in this, they were definitely interesting people. And the films they were mentioning were, were interesting, but they start off with like the most obvious stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the really good sections are like near the end. And I was like, oh good. You're finally going to talk about something I haven't seen. Great. <laughs> now that we're two and a half hours in, <laughs> it was like, why couldn't you do this a little sooner guys? Or I don't know. I, you know, it's interesting because uh, Kirla Jeunesse, she's the the person who directed and wrote the documentary. I think she's mm -hmm. a she yeah. is an outstanding horror journalist. Um, mm -hmm. She's written a terrific book called House of Psychotic Women, mm -hmm. uh, which discusses yeah. the role of women in the horror film and mm -hmm. a lot of female stereotypes in horror. Um, and she's done, I think, a couple of other um, like 
supplemental documentaries for Severin. Yeah. So I was, you know, and it sounds from what you're telling us, Vanessa, it sounds like this really probably would have been served better as like maybe a, a like a limited series almost two yeah, or three episodes. I think so. A limited series um, or, you know, like maybe one piece of it per disc or something, some way of that's, breaking yeah, it up. That's what I was just thinking because I think it's a Severin produce as well. I think they, yeah. the main Severin guy is one of the producers. And they do phenomenal documentaries oh, that they put on heavens, their discs yes. all the yeah. time, but this yeah. might've been one that would have been, Hey, let's watch these. Now that you've watched all the movies, let's watch the rest of, you know, some break uh, yeah. part. Oh, well, yeah. what yeah. you going to do? Yeah. I'll still definitely watch it. Absolutely. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, as you I, should. As absolutely. You should. And I, I, that, that particular box set has been at the top of my want list for a while, but they keep on putting out these other great ones that are like, not quite as expensive. So I end up getting yeah. them. And yeah. so now I'm like way behind. And I, you know, I'm at the point right now where I know that if I'm going to get one of these, I need to get it from the label themselves because I got mm -hmm. burned when I tried to get sure. the Al Adamson box set, the Severn Al Adamson box set from an outside seller. Oh no! I bought it, but the copy was defective. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah so I that. sent it, so I sent it back. They promptly refunded me. But oh, uh, alas, that was right. That was like after it had sold out, like right oh, after it had completely sold that, out. That was actually so. one of the kickoffs for me starting to become buying way too many race again. <laughs> that box that was so interesting. Oh, so these, cool. These boutique labels, you end up buying shit that you never, ever in a billion years thought you would bother I with buying. Just got yeah. my Caligula two box oh, set oh the God. other day. Well, as a as a Bruno Mattei completist, yes. <laughs> which yes, you know we we are brothers in our love of Bruno for sure. Yeah. In fact, I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing a Rats Knights of Terror T-shirt. Nice. To give you my level of yeah, devotion. Looking, when they were this one popped up on Severin as Caligula, I'm like, oh, I don't know. This didn't seem like something. I, and then, oh shit. <laughs> Hey, Bruno Mattei's in this one. <laughs> well, the I second order. Uh, well, the second one's directed by Joe Diamato, yeah. so it's like a you know you've got, you've got a mini rogues gallery of like two disturbing. of the yeah two of the trashiest of the trashy Italian. Speaking horror of trashy movies, yes, and not in a good way. Sorry to say, have either of you heard of Sin Eater? Very new, just came out like two weeks ago. No, no. This is a really interesting idea that did one incredibly strange, giant choice that kind of ruined the entire movie. Mm. And it would have been a fine, low-budget kind of release. He, the, it starts off with an, uh, the lead getting in a car accident mm. and having to be taken care of by a local guy who somehow she ends up staying at his house, which I kind of miss. But that's not the real problem. The real problem, hey... She's been in a car accident. We need to give her a major injury. What should we do? Let's sew her jaw shut. What? The <laughs> entire movie, she has her jaw sewn shut. So she talks like this. So you sort of understand her. Oh, no. What? And you can't understand her real well. She's in oh, damn near no. every scene. Oh, no. And at one point, they give her a little what? thing to type on to translate what she says out loud. And that helps some, but. People get annoyed. Well, don't use that. Just talk to me. I'm like, no, use that. By all <laughs> means, use that. Oh, my God. So I'm figuring, and I'm going to ruin the end of this movie because don't watch it. I'm not interested in, as and, is. So, and so, so please, spill. <laughs> the, it ends with, and I'm figuring, okay, this is going to lead to some horrific, giant, strange, because it's kind of religious-based, um, demon summoning thing, and her jaw is going to tear apart and something, you know, something's going to happen. Well, I was halfway correct on that. What happened is 
the demon possesses her and says something like, I'm tired of talking this way. So they actually have a fairly well done where she, the demon pulls open the metal gear holding her teeth together and then proceeds to kind of talk like they left the gear inside the mouth and just had the actress talk. So it's kind of like, ah, oh my God. What the hell, man? Uh, that's it's like, awful. It was like, wow. There's us. I did. Did did you hate this actress? Did you <laughs> hire her because you wanted to punish her, or did she get in an accident and had to actually have her jaws shown shut? And I understand budget. You got to go. You got to go. So you wrote it. I I just yeah. I I was stunningly strange. It's choice. like it's like ma uh, man in the iron mask all over again. It's like don't cast one of the lead. <laughs> most popular actors of, <laughs> of the generation and then put a giant mask, mask on, on him for like most three quarters of the movie. Exactly. Yes. But they, they mic'd him correctly though. So he, did, he didn't sound like, oh, some That's the mask, which this lady did. Oh, God. I was like, going, wow, this is so mean. She was trying so hard. <laughs> I've got nothing on the lady who is sewn shut. I just like, what writer or director that decided that's brilliant. Cool idea. <laughs> you know, there's there's coming up with a fresh and innovative angle, and there's like that sound that smacks of like desperation over being able to point mm -hmm. at something and say, "Look at this fresh and different angle I've come up with," and and that's it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it had nothing to do with sin eaters. Yeah, you know, the concept yeah. of what a sin eater is. Was, I was like, does she uh, like? Do they? Or speed her sin through the tube? No, no. Expected to read through. It's got to get, get past those 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 wires in the yeah, mouth. Yeah, they got to you know? like really get it in there somehow. Yeah, but instead of the proper sin eater, you know, somebody who came and ate the sin of the dead, they sort of portrayed it as like a, a ritual or something. Mm. Maybe there's a version of sin eater. I don't know. It's perfectly plausible. Weird. But it was just. Uh, for some reason, I don't know what I saw or what I read. I had this marked on my calendar for this movie coming out. <laughs> you were so excited. <laughs> so I'm like, what the hell did I see that made me write this down? But oh, oh well. well, it's a pretty catchy title. It know? is a it great. Is. Title. It is a great you know? title. Um, I'm sure. Well, it, it it's definitely not as good as the uh, late '60s acid trip movie, The Acid Eaters. And I'm sure it's nothing compared <laughs> no. to any of the four or five snake eater movies that were made with Lorenzo definitely Lons. not. <laughs> yeah, we need a few. We need a few fisticuffs going down. That's right. Uh, so uh, one of the other things that I watched was I uh, recently picked up the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray of Trauma, which no. is a 1994 Dario Argento film. Uh, hmm. I think uh, you know everyone here is uh, appreciative of Dario Argento. Mm -hmm. um, it's widely um, acknowledged that pretty much everything he's done after opera in 1987 has been like a varying degree of sucking. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He hasn't done a great movie really in 35 years, which is a little yeah. depressing. But he keeps plugging away, and you know. I, I'm a hardcore fan. I watch, I've watched everything he's done. Wow. I've bought most of everything that he's done. Wow. Uh, I always see something interesting, something, at least one flash of awesomeness in the movies. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And I, so I went into, I bought trauma cause I'm close to an Argento completist and I hadn't seen it in ages. And I gave it kind of short shrift when I first saw it, like panned and scanned on cable, like oh, sure. oh, <laughs> 20 years ago. Um, and it just didn't, I, it just didn't land for me Shocking, at the time, yeah. you know? 
Um, watching it this time around, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Oh, um, wow. It is still, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know you guys both are admirers of like Deep Red and Suspiria. <laughs> it is not top tier Argento by any measure. I mean, sure. it's definitely, there's, there's a diminishing creative returns, but it's surpri- it's kind of a surprisingly solid kind of Giallo 2.1. And it's got Tom Savini makeup effects and they're terrific. There are oh, nice. lots of tasty decapitations. <laughs> um, and actually it's kind of, I think it was the first leading role that Asia Argento had in one of Dario's, one of her father Dario's movies. And she's really good. She plays an mm-hmm. uh, uh, anorexic teenager who is, <laughs> who, get, who gets in, embroiled in this, this whole situation where there's this, this, uh, headhunting killer who's running around uh unca- decapitating people with this really spiffy wire device he throws he throws this kind of s- steel wire noose around folks necks clicks a button and it automatically retracts and retracts and retracts until it cuts heads. so yeah it's pretty right. gnarly it's got a great <laughs> cast it's in, in addition to ozzy argento it's got piper laurie uh who is who is another you know great does gives another great eccentric middle aged you know crazy woman performance uh, and Brad Dourif is in it to yes. be bug eyed and and crazy <laughs> and uh, and he's awesome too uh, and it's really it it's got some of that kind of visual fluidity and some of that momentum that the best Argento movies have I mean it's definitely not perfect it kind of it, it totally like most of his m- current movies and even his greatest ones to a lesser extent it goes totally off the rails by the end um and also i will tell folks uh that your mileage will vary regarding the elder argento's treatment of his daughter's nude scene here um i there's always you know i I, you know it's so funny this is the kind of thing where I was talking to some friends about licorice pizza, oh, sure. which I was really bothered by because it has a whole made sort of semi May December romance with a 15 year old child star, yeah. you know, um, romancing this, you know, woman in her mid twenties, you know, like shades of Mary Kay Letourneau or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that bothered me, but because I'm a huge Argento fan, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go with this because there's only one scene. It doesn't super linger. Um, and also Ozzy is really good in it. She's really, really good in it. And it's not Asia. Uh, it's, I, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Okay, I think checking. she pronounces it Asia. Sure. Um, but, oh. uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I, but anyway, uh, if you're a fan of Argento, uh, uh-huh. and you can stomach a director's camera lingering, lingering a little bit too long on his daughter in one <laughs> scene. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid effort. It's a pretty good movie. Nice. And the vinegar syndrome print is gorgeous. Oh, that's awesome. I will definitely, I will definitely check that out. I've been, I'm new to this amazing, weird yellow world. Good. And every time I delve back in, I'm like, this is crazy. Awesome. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I've, oh. I've still got to do opera. I've still, I mean, there's still a few out there that I have not reached, but I'm excited. All right. So uh, I think we're going to wrap up the what have we seen recently portion of the podcast. And we are going to take a brief commercial break and we will return with folk horror. Thank you. 
to Flyer Festival. A transformative journey. Prepare to be transformed. An immersive music festival at 35,000 feet. It's immersive because you're there. On WestJet's 787 Dreamliner. It's the new one. An event that's all about the music. Social influencers. Social influencing. Social influencers getting down to cool EDM beats. Social influencers getting down to cool EDM beats and feeding cute little pigs. They're emotional support animals. Flyer is an experience and a festival. Into the sky. Welcome back to Strange Eons Radio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part we edit out. Um, take two. <laughs> Welcome back to Strange Eons Radio. We are talking folk horror. And uh, Vanessa, you are going first. This is your topic, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. So shockingly, it seems that Strange Eons had not really delved specifically into full core. Like we've talked around it, but not Mm -hmm. at it. So um, because I went ahead and spent all that money on that box set, (laughs) it felt very apt that I have a reason to watch any of them. There we go. Yes. Um, So I went with, uh, I I kind of tried to to look at all the possibilities and I got overwhelmed because there were like 20 movies I wanted to see. (laughs) But I settled on um, 1993's Dark Waters. Interesting one. It was a featured at the Lovecraft Film Festival many years. Was oh, it? Yeah. It which makes sense. Um, I didn't realize how Lovecraftian it was going to be <clears throat> until I started watching. And by the way, this is not the it's not that Dark Waters or that other Dark Dark Waters. This is the other other <laughs> Dark Waters. So for anyone who's confused, and I've seen that movie, that's not got any Lovecraft in it. Do tell. Yes. Um. So this is a really interesting production. It's a Russian, UK, Ukraine, Italian 
co-co-co-production. <laughs> um, it's got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 54% from audience and nothing from critics. Um, there is no budget info that I have at all, uh, which will make sense later. Um, the director and writer is Mariano Bayano. Bayano? Um, he's done nine things. This is actually his only feature. Otherwise, he's just done shorts. And he's also written um, 11 shorts as well, which is really too bad because he seems to be a pretty talented dude. Um, the co-writer on this with him was a guy named Andy Bark, and this is his only credit. Uh, he also edited one film called Carnucula. Carnucula. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Starring uh, Luis Salter. So these are all, well, uh, British and... Um, Russian actors across the board, but Louise Salter, who's British, plays Elizabeth, who's been in six things. This was her first role. Then she did a bit part in Interview with a Vampire, um, did a few episodes of Our Friends in the North miniseries, and then some bit roles, and then stopped. Uh, Venera Simmons, who plays a girl named Sarah. This is her only credit. Marie Kapnist as Mother Superior. 52 credits. Lots of Russian films. Died the year this came out. There, there's other people in this, but there, it's all like Russians, <laughs> or this is the only time they like rolled into a set and then left. So, not going to go too far into that. Um, the story, oh god, it's really, I mean, it's bonkers. It's hella bonkers. This is a very giallo esque, Lovecraftian esque, mm. strange, strange movie. Um, a, a remote convent. Leaking badly and in terrible shape. There's a lot of water just flowing constantly. Uh, it's mm. on an island in the middle of nowhere. Big crashing, scary waves, big rocks on the, the seashore. Um, a little girl is running around and she finds this giant rock amulet with like a demon face on it. She puts it around her neck and runs over to a nun and gives it to the nun. And the nun uh, climbs up a cliff and just kind of stands there for a long time holding it. And I'm not really sure what she's going to do. And then there's a monster POV, which goes up the cliff and then pushes her off. Oh. And then she oh. is bloody and dashed on the rocks. And the amulet is broken. Um, and then the nuns go and gather all the pieces. 20 years later, the nuns are burying the little pieces 20, of the... 20 years 20 later. years later. <laughs> wow. The nuns are now, I guess, burying... The amulet pieces, maybe? I don't know. Maybe they found the lost bit. I'm a little confused, <laughs> frankly. Um, they're putting them in these little special boxes and they're hiding them in the catacombs that are underneath the convent on the rocky island. I don't know how that works, but I'm going to wow. go with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a nun, a new young nun who kind of spies on them and sees what's going on. And from behind her, somebody has a knife. And then she's bloody and hanging over the top of the catacomb waterfall and blood is pouring on Jesus. Anyway, oh. as it happens, <laughs> these things happen <laughs> in Italy, I guess, slash Russia, slash the Ukraine. Um, so after the death of her father, we follow the character Elizabeth, who is making a treacherous journey to this convent. She's received a letter from her friend, a young nun. Wonder who that could have been. Mm. Um, she, she's been invited to come and visit. She's also going because for some other reason, there's a second connection to this place, which is that her father was secretly giving money to it for years. And now that he's passed away, she wants to understand why he's been giving money to it and how come he didn't tell her about this. 
So she endures this really weird bus ride where there's a bunch of like Ukrainian hillbilly people on it. <laughs> and like one guy just has spiders crawling over his hands and they're in, coming in and out of his sleeve. It's very, very weird and kind of gross. Um, wow. Yeah. She then gets to a very rainy, dark town um, where there is an old man with a boat and she tries to give him a bunch of money to like ferry her out to this place. And he's like, no, because I don't want to die. And she gives him more money and goes, still no, I still don't want to die. I'll see you next week when the waters are calm. And then another fisherman is standing in the the dark and he goes, oh, I'll take you. So long as, it's, it's, so long as my pockets are full of money, it don't matter if a fish is eating out my eyeball. <laughs> so, <laughs> apparently he's not afraid to die. Um, so they take Or to lose his eyes to fish. Or his yeah. eyes to fish on the bottom of the ocean, so long as there's money. <laughs> <laughs> U.S. dollars, um, so which is weird because I'm like you're British and you're in Russia slash Ukraine <laughs> and you're giving U.S. dollars. It's fine. Um, so they go on the ship and randomly a, a what they keep calling it, a freak, which is guy a guy who's mostly nude with like big black eyes. Um, Glad you said eyes. you over there um his he starts eating raw fish on the deck and the guy the the ferryman's like yeah we need that for reasons (laughs) he's he's here to protect us from something i don't ever really understand why but it's fine um he's there so she gets to the island um, and the nuns are like, oh God, there's a person here. We definitely didn't murder somebody like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> so um, they quickly get her into the mother superior's office and they're like, wow, you made it on time. That's weird. She's like, I keep my appointments, which is <laughs> extremely exciting. Oh um, and she says, you know, I need to understand why you're getting all this money and what reason I should continue to give it to you. And they're like, well, you can have full access to our library here and our, our rituals, strange as they might be. And um, <laughs> we'll put you up in a room and you can hang out. Sounds good. Uh, please keep giving us money. And uh, she gets back to her room and they give her an assistant, this girl named Sarah, who's about her same age. And she finds everyone's packing up all her clothes and putting them in a bag and walking off with it. She's like, excuse me, that's not acceptable. <laughs> and they're like, when you're here, you don't, you give up everything that you brought with you. You can only have this burlap sack dress. So now she's in a burlap sack dress. Mm. Um, Sarah and her bond have like a little bit of a girl's night and she reveals <laughs> that Elizabeth was actually born on this island and that her mother had died giving um, birth to her here. So um, she has an an additional reason for wanting to be here and figuring out the truth behind this strange place. Um, Elizabeth begins the next day to explore around the convent, the catacombs. She's checking out a book at the library that has a bunch of demon stuff in it and doesn't find it strange at all. She just starts reading aloud how there's this demon who causes blindness to anyone who sees it and just tells us all about it. It's very exciting. Then she um, sees some nuns through like a hole in the wall. This is a really decrepit place. Are we hitting nunsploitation turf now? This is super nunsploitation. There is a lot of nun action in this movie. (laughs) I wouldn't say sexy, just lots of nuns all over. Um, So she sees them carrying a body. And so she starts to follow them down into these catacombs, um, which are they, they almost look like, what are those cave structures that have... Stalactites. Stalactites. Yeah, it looks like that. So it, it it looks like a very rough, dangerous 
wet surface. Um, she's following them down and and she kind of puts together somehow uh, without anything else that the body that they're carrying is her friend. Um, and then she enters up, ends up in this place where there's this blind man who's like insane in a pit and he's like running around going, rah, rah, rah. and, um, she falls into the pit on accident and Sarah grabs her through a secret door and saves her. They're now in the art storage room where they discover, I know, I wish I, there's no reason <laughs> for any of this. So just, I, I think of the nationalities that put money into this, the one that's like rising to the top here is the Italian. This is sounds such, yes. this sounds so like crazy the, batshit nuts Italian. The writer director is Italian. <laughs> I, yes. I'm not surprised. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like <laughs> the financing and strangeness of what they were able to shoot for what they shot was the Russian Ukraine side because that's where they were shooting everything. Mm. So everything is very haphazard and dangerous looking for a good reason. They discover a painting with two little girls holding that same demon amulet that we saw at the beginning. And then suddenly, um, Sarah is like, I gotta go for a sec, hold on. And Elizabeth is then, of course, attacked by a nun oh. who tries to <laughs> choke her with a chain. Uh, they wrestle and um, the nun falls out the window of the bell tower thingy. Um, but we don't see her die because I think budget. So... <laughs> Yeah. Splat. All right. Elizabeth um, insists, okay, I got to go. I got to get out of here. We have to call the police. We have to let them know that there are nuns trying to murder me. And Sarah's like, dude, I'm so sorry, but there's no boats for like a week. And so um, the next day, they, they kind of go into hiding for the night. The next day, Elizabeth tries to figure out a way to call for help. She goes to this weird little office on the island that there's a dude chopping up a body of a guy clearly a guy you can see the dude's head mm. in the back room and he's covered in blood and he's holding the guy like pieces of the dude and he's like what do you want <laughs> and she's like yeah can i send a letter and he's like mm, well you missed the boat and she sees the boat has actually left she could have made the boat so sarah lied and she's very upset about sarah and not about the guy with holding the other pieces of the other guy throwing it at the um Seagulls on the beach. Uh, seems to be fine. Everything's fine. I don't know who this guy is and why he's dead and why they're chopping him up and feeding him to the birds, but it's cool. She says, <laughs> can I give you some money so I can look through the letters because my friend who disappeared might have sent me something. And he says, no. And she gives him money and he says, yes. She finds the letter that says, don't come here. This place is crazy. <laughs> and a bunch of stuff happens. <laughs> so... That's an Italian movie. <laughs> Look, yeah. So uh, we have a whole bunch of things where way more nuns are chasing after her, trying to murder her. We're not entirely sure why. She's having nightmares of a little girl covered in blood, which may or may not be flashbacks. Um, she starts eating a bunch of dead fish on the uh, on the ground. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> like rotting dead fish. <laughs> yeah, and so obviously there's something up with this girl. Um, and finally, so we get to... Uh, the reveals, which I feel like I, I don't, I mean, I don't want to ruin yeah, this you know, movie, but. Feel free to not, you know, just yeah. move on if you want to, or if it's just so frigging, you know, you know how it works here. Sometimes yes. we do, sometimes we don't. <laughs> I know. So basically, um, we, we start to understand that Elizabeth is more than what she seems. Um, there is actually a giant creature underneath the convent that it's really hard to tell if the nuns are trying to raise a demon 
or prevent a demon from rising because they're constantly walking around with burning crosses. And I feel like that's an anti- Holy. (laughs) Yeah. All over the place. Like constantly, everyone is burning a cross in this movie. And as somebody who grew up Catholic, I'm like, that doesn't seem very holy. But (laughs) the ending of the movie is so confusing that I am not entirely sure that they were anti- they burn for Religion? Jesus. They, yeah, they love Jesus so much that they're just going to carry around. They're, they're using him as a flashlight. Wow. It's just <laughs> incredible. Uh, the demon underneath this space um, is crazy looking. I mean, they clearly... I watched a behind-the-scenes documentary about this. Apparently, it didn't move very well. So they have this, again, hole in the wall where you can kind of see this writhing, like pieces of a creature which just looks very cool and then eventually you see the whole thing and it's like a six-breasted like Jabba the Hutt style thing. You know, Elizabeth has to make the hard choice of whether to join it or to fight it and I won't spoil it from there. Um, The bad. This movie has really, really random sound and music that is not (laughs) well-timed. It is often blaring and stressful over non-nothing events where you're just like, you're unpacking a suitcase. Why are we going... (laughs) Like, it's not that important, guys. Um, (laughs) No one's upset by that guy getting chopped up. Um, At one point, she visits an old lady who helped raise her on the beach. And she yells at her a bunch for lying to her. And then the nuns show up and throw a burning cross, of course, into (laughs) this lady's house, which immediately sets on fire. And Elizabeth fails. Like, the lady's blind. And she's just like, "Mm, bye. (laughs) And I was like, you're not going to help the blind woman who helped raise you get out of the burning house. And then you watch the woman like get out of the house totally on fire, jump into the water. (laughs) And Elizabeth is still just they're watching and then she sees her in the water and then walks over and kind of helps haul her out and you're like what is this you're a horrible human being elizabeth i am not a fan of you oh um the it's just there's a lot of confusion as to what exactly is happening and why and even afterwards i think i have a good idea but this movie has a real structural issue um, the good. Sounds like it's got a few structural issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun, though. The good things, the set design and art design are beautiful. It is unbelievably gorgeous. This film is just, it's a heavy hitter. I looked at the cinematographer and he's done, I mean, he's still working. He's done hundreds of projects. Um, there's lots of really interesting symbology, like the um, the water drowning out Jesus. There's a lot of cool weird Lovecraftian stuff between the fish and lots of shots underwater and the way that the water is taking over this place all the time. Um, It's just cool. Uh, So I would definitely recommend it. I did like it. I just would say don't expect a story that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You know, this is actually reminding me a lot of when you were talking about the church recently on on the show. Which, of course, coincidentally, is an Italian horror movie that's also batshit nuts, which I've seen and I love, <laughs> too. Um, yeah. yeah. How does it, I mean, does it feel like a companion piece to that at it all? It actually does. It feels like um, a, like, <laughs> what is the, they say, a, a stepsister, a, a, a beaten up stepsister, whatever. <laughs> the red-haired stepchild. Yeah, red-haired stepchild, thank you, <laughs> of of the church. It yeah. feels um, almost 
not more beautiful, but it feels as beautiful at moments. The location is actually more interesting than the church, even though the church was shot in this stunning cathedral. Um, but the script is not as strong and the the setup is not as strong. So uh, you got yourself a new double feature. Start yes. with dark, dark waters there and you go. with the church. There I 100% <laughs> that, especially with the beginning of the church, it just flows so beautifully into oh, yeah. the batshitness of that. So <laughs> um, I found a little bit of trivia, which um, is uh, pretty fun. The tagline for this movie, sometimes evil lurks where you least expect it. <laughs> I'm guessing like a convent. The film was originally based on a short story by Andy Bark. That's why Andy Bark's name Uh. is on this. Inspired by a childhood visit to States in North Yorkshire. Many years later, having worked as an editor on Mariano's film, Carnucula, he, that's not how it's pronounced. (laughs) He mentions he was working on a script called Dark Waters and he and Mariano began to work on it together. The film uh, perhaps the first Western film to be shot in Ukraine following the collapse of the uh, USSR was difficult and troubled. The system uh, there created many, many problems, such as having to buy things out in the black market, uh, people disappearing with film stock, and not oh. appearing with pretty much anything they asked for, except for one time one guy was like, just give me a helicopter because he wanted to see what would happen. And they actually did show up with a helicopter. (laughs) Um, It was a lot of just dealing with the system there that was not really a system. But it did provide spectacular cheap sets and locations that would have been impossible to get in the United Kingdom. Um, The political situation uh, tried its best to halt the production. In the early days when the finance was being sought by Bark and Mariano, a coup attempt that saw tanks in the streets of Moscow um, did not help matters. There was um, even another coup at the end of filming when Mariano in Moscow um, was there for the dubbing and was awoken to gunfire. So it was just a constant like... Yikes. Yeah, like Mm. things were falling down around them as they were shooting this. Biano and his crew were faced faced with conditions and attitudes which seemed uh, to belong to a truly different planet from the language barrier to shooting nearby Chernobyl, which people were like, oh yeah, it's fine. Go ahead and um, shoot here. And then later the actress uh, was telling somebody like, oh yeah, I was just down the road filming this thing in Chernobyl. And the woman's face got white and she's like, you might be barren now. Oh yeah. Because it was so, and uh, the actress actually on the behind the scenes said, suck it. I got two kids. It's fine. (laughs) So so it turned out to be all right. Um, Everything seemed to conspire against the film ever getting finished. Uh, Rushes were watched only once a week. Sets literally dissolved due to rainfall. His film stock was sold out from under him in the black market. The cast and crew were nearly asphyxiated with a scene involving hundreds of candles in uh, the underground area. (laughs) And they only knew how to, those lit crosses, the way they were lighting them was wrapping rags around them, pouring gasoline on them, and lighting them. Oh, my. Well, that'll do in it. In the caves. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And they had, Yikes. I mean, it was like a 20-minute walk, I think at least, underneath to get to where they were shooting. Wow. Uh, wow. There was just vodka basically on set the whole time. Um, <laughs> they they weren't giving giving them food. They were like, hey, we, we need to eat. And they're like, oh, we don't, we don't feed you until shooting starts. And they'd all gotten there like a week early. So oh they were just like, God. Uh, we got to figure this out. Holy cow. So this was a crazy, crazy production. I'm shocked it looks as good as it does. The director didn't do anything after this film from 1993 until 2004. 
shockingly. Um, and the film went on to win, among other prizes, the Prix du Public at Montreal's Fantasia Film Festival and uh, Fanta Festival in Rome. Dark Waters was awarded the prestigious Special Vincent Price Award in Outstanding Contribution to Fantastic Cinema. So that's my movie. Very cool. I'm intrigued. Nice. You know, I actually own the original standalone blu-ray of this oh i have wow. not had a chance to watch it yet and now i'm chomping at the bit you gotta it, you gotta it, see it sounds like a blast is that the one that came with the big giant disc did you see that one uh well yeah i, I mean i don't no, i don't I mean know. like a physical it's like a oh no no totem. yeah no. that's that's what that's yeah, the, I yeah, know that, that they amulet. were. I know that that was a special tchotchke with it, but I just got. I just have the disc itself, the the Blu-ray. That's great. Yeah, cool. Well, that sounds good. Uh, oh, cool. So, is it? I I'll go next. I, yeah, Dive in. I think it's you, Tony. All right. Ooh. Well, um, I you know I kind of like to not make things easy for myself sometimes. So, <laughs> and in this case, I was like. I've got Shutter streaming. I could have watched any one of the dozen movies that are on Shutter right now that oh, are on the folk horror box, box set. Yeah. yeah. But I decided to dip back further and go for something that I have loved for probably about 15 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. It has haunted me like a fever dream, but I actually watched it, rewatched it again for the first time uh, for this for this podcast, actually. And this movie is called Mystics in Bali.
this is incredible because I did a lot of research and I have never heard of this movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I do not have any budget or box office information. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes ratings, uh, no reviews from critics, 32% from the audience. Uh, the movie was directed by H. Tiut Jalil. He has 18 credits as a director, including Satan's Bed, Lady Terminator, which fucking rocks also, <laughs> and Dangerous Seductress. Uh, the screenplay is by Jimmy Atmaya, who also assistant directed. He has seven credits as a director, or seven credits, including five as a director. Uh, and the movie is based on the best-selling Indonesian novel, Liak Ngakak, by Putra Mada. Nice. The cast, Iona Agata Bastian as Kathy Keene. She has one acting credit, and that would be this one. <laughs> sure. It also stars Yos Santo as Mahendra. He has five acting credits, including The Devil's Sword, which totally fucking rules, uh, and The Warrior and the Blind Swordsman. Sophia WD, not WD-40, <laughs> WD. She plays the old Liak Queen. She has 55 acting credits, including The Queen of Black Magic, and she's also in a Dutch period drama art film called Max Havilar, directed by... Bonds Rademakers, which I haven't seen, mm. but it's from the 70s, and it won a huge amount of critical acclaim. So she went from art films in 1976 to a batshit nutty Indonesian folk horror movie in 1981. Uh, also starring is W.D. Mukhtar, who plays Oka. He is a priest. Uh, Indonesian character actor. And also starring is W.D. Mukhtar, who plays Oka. He is an Indonesian character actor. He has 82 credits, including the Queen of Black Magic. The original 1982 version of Satan's Slave, which is actually streaming on Shutter right now. Mm -hmm. And Hell Raiders. So, I, how to describe this movie. <laughs> I, so, at first, I guess I'm going to liken it to a tropical cocktail. Uh, which is, it's like nice. any other tacky crop tropical cocktail you'd get in a plastic coconut shaped cup at some <laughs> crappy little dive bar. You know, the kind that I'm referring to it's tinted some ungodly neon color from some cheap fruit flavored drink mixer. There's a, a maraschino cherry and a pineapple chunk that are speared sitting in it unceremoniously in a paper <laughs> umbrella umbrella. Um, but imagine like tossing one of these down only to realize that someone has spiked it with the most mind-jiggeringly disorienting exotic hallucinogen a human can ingest and oh that there God. ain't no turning back from the wild-ass trip that you're about <laughs> to dive into. Wow. That is Mystics in Bali in a coconut shell. But um, <laughs> a Very nice. So, uh, after some opening credits that actually showcase some genuinely creepy ancient Indonesian animal and demon masks, we are introduced to American anthropologist Kathy, who has traveled to Indonesia, where she chats up and then becomes romantically involved with Mahendra. Uh, Mahendra is a brillo-haired townie whose wardrobe leans towards jeans that are hiked up to his ribcage and t-shirts that include a, a pink I'm a Perfect 10 t-shirt. Um, <laughs> but Kathy's actually arrived in this exotic land of Bali to do more than just take in the regional collar and canoodle with a ridiculously dressed local guy, which incidentally happens in the first five minutes. They're like 
they're like, you know, lock and lips in the first five minutes. No character exposition to go on, whatever, <laughs> whatsoever. But anyway, Kathy's a student of black magic, and she is chomping at the bit to learn the liak, which is Indonesia's powerful indigenous strain of the dark arts. Mm -hmm. And she wants to learn Indonesian liak magic, quote, the same way I learned voodoo, the black magic of Africa, end quote. Oh, oh. It'll make for an interesting book, <laughs> she reasons. So anyway, Mahendra and Kathy <laughs> explore an old Indonesian cemetery that's filled with bones where they smooch awkwardly as uh, Kathy says, perhaps you and I are the only two people who've ever dared to kiss beside all these old skeletons and skulls. Ooh. To which Mahendra replies, let's go before the ghosts get mad. <laughs> so anyway, one night Mahendra arranges for a meeting with the local Liak queen who's this crusty-faced old hag who sports these kind of Freddy Krueger-length fingernails, and she cackles like the Wicked Witch of the West on, like, crystal meth. Mm. And Mahendra <laughs> actually very helpfully informs us that, quote, Liak laughter is their special trademark, unquote. Uh, anyway, the Liak queen meets up with Kathy and promises to teach Kathy the Liak mojo. So they shake hands on it, and that gets kind of awkward because the Liak queen turns around and keeps walking into the darkness while her severed hand continues to shake <laughs> Kathy's hand. And then it crawls away uh, like a spider, like the spider head in the thing, only it's a cheap-ass superimposed rubber claw glove instead of like an incredible practical effect. Uh, anyhow, Mahendra wow. and Kathy venture into the forest on the next night to hang with the Liak witch queen, witch queen. Uh, the queen hides in the bushes and accepts offerings of jewels and blood and milk bottles. The only trace of the witch at this point, she's hiding behind the bushes. And all you can see of her is this giant rubber snake tongue, which grabs the jewels. And then it sucks down the blood out of the bottles, like a fleshy rubber straw. And in between cackles, she says, delicious. This is good blood. It's that oh level. It, that, there's, there's like the dialogue. This movie is almost as quotable as Pulp Fiction and <laughs> Casablanca. I shit you not. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the crusty old hag's snake tongue tattoos Kathy's inner thigh with a magic spell. And the cycle begins. So for the next uh, several evenings, Kathy visits the witch alone, excelling in her Liak 101 studies, which include maniacal cackling, traditional <laughs> Indonesian Liak dancing, mm -hmm. and eventually shape-shifting into pigs and snakes. Wow. Uh, these are, by the way, done, oh accomplished with uh, bladder effects that uh, they're influenced by the bladder effects that Rob Botton and Riff Baker used in their werewolf movies, but only uh -huh. like it looks like they've been literally done with like glad bags. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> astonishing. So anyway, surprisingly, Mahendra deduces that things aren't going well and he enlists his Buddhist priest, Uncle Oka, for some tips. Uh, and so Oka says he's going to help out, gives Mahendra a powerful magic dagger. And it's a good thing that Mahendra's around to hang out and help because Kathy's got to pay her Liak University tuition. Oh. And that means that the Liak queen demands that Kathy sprout fangs and turn into a vampiric demon who disconnects her head from her body. And wow. then Kathy's disembodied head complete with chunky bits of lungs and viscera and stuff hanging from below the neck Whoa. starts to fly around the Balinese countryside. How? I think I've seen that scene. I don't think I've seen this Dude, movie. Dude, this is one of those, it's, this is like scene. one of those comp-worthy, compilation-worthy yeah. scenes where you see this very fakey woman's head with this very fakey viscera flying around, really poorly superimposed. Yeah. <laughs> the print of this movie, I, I have the Mondo Macabro DVD. The print is immaculate until you get the special effects scenes that have any, revel any sort of levitation in them. And they're all literally, they look like they're shot on video. 
Wow. <laughs> like they're like shot on 70s video. Like the special effects you'd see in a Sid and Marty Croft movie. <laughs> Only it's like this, you know, disembodied head with lungs and viscera hanging out that's knocking people through walls and sucking fetuses from under, understandably reluctant, expectant moms. Um, <laughs> oh yes, God. you heard that right. No, I'm not making this shit up. Um, so anyway, Mahendra leaves for a work trip, which somehow supersedes the fact that his new girlfriend is being possessed by a crusty-faced demon witch. Go figure. Uh, anyway, Kathy's head disconnects for some more fetus sucking, and Uncle Oka gathers with some of his fellow Buddhist priests to smoke some stogies and talk strategy because they're onto the fetus sucking and they don't want the crusty faced demon witch to keep getting more powerful. Um, so the Liat Queen, now younger and hotter because she's been sucking blood and eating fetuses and stuff, mm-hmm. appears to Kathy and asks Kathy for payment. And Kathy, being the naive American that she is, offers money, and then the queen says, I don't want money. I want hot, fresh blood, and you can get it for me. Uh, so anyway, Kathy's viscera-caked, disembodied head goes out for another late-night fetal snack. She gets chased by a bunch of townspeople. Mahendra handily gets back from his work trip just in time. And then finally, Uncle Oka sets the stage for a fire and laser beam shooting fingertip-filled final battle and oh i'm not going to spoil the rest whoa uh so yeah uh, needless to say this is one nutty fucking movie jesus um the transformations into pig and snakehood include some of the most laughable prosthetics ever committed to cellular i mean literally it does look like glad bags that have been taped vaguely into the shapes of alligators <laughs> and, and pigs <laughs> and things like that and then inflate it and these two leads, they're, they play their love scenes with the easy grace of a couple of 12-year-olds dry-reading Shakespeare. It's not a pretty scene. Um, and really, this is one of those movies where literally wish yourself good luck if you even try to keep a straight face, straight face when anyone speaks. Because we're, t- we're, we're in the kind of territory where the hero reacts to his girlfriend vomiting up live mice and pea soup by hypothesizing that, and this is a quote, Perhaps it was the food last night that has made you so sick now. Whatever. Must have been a hell of a meal. <laughs> exactly. Don't but, eat there but the again. Thing is, so, yes, this is, by all conventional stretches, this movie is, is, is like inept. It's completely <laughs> inept on almost every level, but it's also an utterly fascinating snapshot of Indonesia, of its lands and its customs. Mm-hmm. So um, the producers were forced to shoot the movie in um, local areas. They actually ended up shooting it on the island of Java instead of in Indonesia ah, because nice. the um, the folks who were in Bali were so superstitious they thought they'd have bad mojo coming around if they actually shot, just filmed <laughs> and simulated all of these you know, uh, witch rituals. Uh, there's gorgeous detailed statuary and, uh, and it's really foreboding. I mean, some of the scenes are genuinely atmospherically lit and scary as hell. Um, and uh, as absurd as the movie is to the sensibilities of anybody who's used to actual movie movies, <laughs> the movie's storyline pretty faithfully dramatizes a lot of the folklore and mythology. Huh. Um, and there's something really cool about the way Mahendra's uncle and his fellow Buddhist priests kind of sit around smoking and discussing exterminating the local demon, witch, like they're, I don't know, a bunch of pipe fitters who are talking about like, uh, you know, uh, the fittings on their plumbing work or whatever. It's like a total work a day. And I, that's a really cool touch. And again, sometimes the, uh, the uh, visuals are really cool. I adore this movie and you won't believe it, um, until you see it. It's insane. It is, um, out of print. 
the DVD is out of print. It is sure. not streaming anywhere except it is streaming a pretty good print um, on YouTube. YouTube, yeah. That's oh, yeah. YouTube. sure. A um, couple of quick notes of trivia. Iona Agatha Bastion was not an actor, which will probably not surprise you when you see the movie. Uh, she was a German tourist who was visiting Bali, and she was discovered by one of the producer's wives. And it didn't take much persuading for her to actually extend her stay for several weeks to get paid filming in this gorgeous, exotic location. Wow. Um, the director pulled in Alfred Hitchcock. H. Tiut Jalil has a cameo as a guy who interrupts one of Mahendra's and Kathy's makeout sessions to deliver a receipt. And they never explain what for. Wow. I think he's just doing his Hitchcock moment. Yeah. Um, also, this monster, this, this uh, disembodied head floating around with the lungs and viscera hanging out of the bottom is actually part of a, um, a um, Indonesian myth, kind of a East Asian myth, Asian Ocean myth. I'm trying to think of the region. I'm fumbling on it now. Uh, but the demon is called the Penaglian, the, oh. pen, the Penangalan, excuse me. Huh. And if you are a Dungeons and Dragons fan, the Penagalan legend was co-opted by Dungeons and Dragons, and it's incorporated into the role-playing game's Fiend Folio rulebook. Uh -huh. The Penaglian also appears in the Hellboy, the Troll Witch, and others comic series. Uh, and there's an episode from Creepshow, the TV series, its third season, that also features this type of monster, a Penangalan. Wow. Oh my god. And gosh. that is my movie. And I think it's so nutty. It's like long, long, long overdue for like a Blu-ray re reissue. Vinegar. Uh, yeah, Vinegar Syndrome or, or um I Mondo Macabro is still out there doing stuff. I really wish they'd put it out on Blu-ray. There you go. Um and Indonesian genre cinema is a whole other like you lift up that rock and there's all sorts of crazy ass weird squirming animals oh, underneath yeah. it. It's it's amazing shit. So I love that description so much because so, the only Indonesian films I've seen are exactly, exactly crazy. weird. And yes. Wow. That's incredible. And it's, and it's a folk, it's a quintessential folk horror movie and you'll understand wow. when you see it. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there ain't nothing else like it. And it moves like a shot. It, it, it's really fast moving. It's dizzying. There's a lot of Hong Kong influence. So there's a lot of fast moving, crazy ass stunts, and it's it's just I heart this movie. <laughs> nice. I wouldn't quite say I hearted mine, but uh <laughs> it's it's good. It's one that sits up there with um Wicker Man okay. as one of the ones that gets referenced a lot as a great uh a great folk horror, folk horror yeah. movie, and that is Eyes of Fire from nineteen eighty-four. What are you bring it up there for? It was a time of witchcraft, of hangings, of horror, of magic. They were outcasts on a desperate voyage to the promised land. What they found was a terrifying world. <laughs> Lost in a forest far from home, in a valley none would enter. 
That tree says that this valley is where the lost blood gathers. It's the home of the devil. The secret is sleeping in the trees. familiar with this one i can't i know of it it. i know it's on the box set yeah i saw the trailer and i was like i'm not watching that movie (laughs) (laughs) which is funny because i saw the trailer i was like "Ooh, maybe i am watching that movie (laughs) well it's got no no ratings from the critics and there and uh 69 from the crowd so that's pretty good Mm, yeah uh budgeted 2.6 million i'm dubious on the box office listed because it was a hundred thousand dollars even mm-hmm. wow, <laughs> like a very I'm, specific round yeah. number. All right, directed and written by Avery uh, Crosine, and who wrote Sister Island, The Invisible Kid, and that's it. <laughs> he did three thing, three movies, and that was all. Let's see, so it stars Dennis Lipscomb, who is uh, known for War Games, Under Siege, Cop Rock. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and tons and tons of TV. Uh, Guy Boyd who is in Ghost Story and the Ewok Adventure. <gasps> so, you know, we're talking some heavy hitters in this movie. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, Rebecca Stanley, who's best known for Hunter and Body Double. Also a lot of TV. I was watching an interview with the director afterwards, and the guy's like, you've got a lot of TV stars working for you. So that's kind of <laughs> nice. Like, yeah, they're experienced. You know what they're doing. Uh, this movie is based in the 1700s. Boy, the first guy speaking has this French accent that I'm like, Pepe Le Pew would be a little embarrassed <laughs> to speak with this accent, sir. So luckily, the whole movie, he is just a, a bookend character who comes in at the beginning and back at the begin, uh, the end and is not a major character because the accent is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do use the uh, surprising name Leia is used in this movie as a witch character. Like, hmm, that's it. Well, I think, I think she's one of the actors was involved in the Ewok adventure. See, there you go. Like, you know what I want to be named? <laughs> uh, there is, it starts off with a bit of exposition. And just when I'm going, okay, this is a little too much. It kind of, it went away. So it's like, okay, good. That was close. Um, <laughs> the starting scenes of the burning of the witches and the setup of everything feels like a stage play. It's oddly reminiscent of what you might see on stage for some reason, which, and that goes away. So it's just those opening few scenes. I'm not, not sure why. Maybe it's just because the camera was kind of in a lockdown. They didn't do a lot of closer mediums. Mm-hmm. Good acting. Solid. Uh, the narration is, let's see if you, 
let's see if this makes sense when I word it this way. But the narration in it reminded me a lot of Harrison Ford's narration for Blade Runner. Oh, God. That's not good. Exactly. <laughs> it sounded like somebody who really didn't want to be doing this narration. <laughs> so that was a little weird. Uh-huh. Um, the basic story is a group of people get accused of witchcraft. And it uh, turns out that actually one of them has power. And in a very unusual scene, they, the first person they go after to hang is a guy. Uh, but the person who actually has some power snaps his um, noose and he falls to the ground. And then this group runs away, uh, locking everybody that tried to kill them in the barn and basically stealing everything they can from the town <laughs> as they leave. I'm, All right. <laughs> uh, there turns out later, one of the women that were married is, is married to a tracker who is out doing his woodsman work when he comes back and finds out that they've stolen the raft that gets him across this incredibly fast moving lake that he just walks into. I'm going, they're going to show him walking the whole way. Are they? No, no, they don't. They cut off. Like there's no way you're walking across that river. They, so they're headed down the river to do all this stuff. Dennis Lipscomb, the lead has this odd reminiscent to me of Kyle McLaughlin in that time period. Mm -hmm. He sort of looks like him. He's doing some weird acting and movement that when Kyle's usually pretty good, but every once in a while, he's a little off in his movies. If you think of Kyle when he's not acting quite as well, that's kind of what this guy reminded me of. He's very dramatic. Uh, They run into uh, natives. I believe it's, I forgot the name of the tribe that uh, shoot at and take out uh, some of the people on their raft as they're headed down there. So like, well, maybe we should get off the river here. (laughs) Uh, Of course, the trapper catches up to them. And even though they ran off with his wife, he's like, well, I'm going to stay with you and help protect you as you move into the woods because I know how to survive in the woods. And they end up in this um, valley that he, the trapper, of course, he's there to let us know what's going on, actually. He's like, well, they don't not they the natives here will not come into this area. So of course the preacher guy's like, great, let's set up here. He's like, there's a reason they don't go into this area, which of course the pre- preacher doesn't care about because that's just you know superstitious nonsense. Uh, there's a great scene which was sort of reminiscent of the uh, torture chamber of Doctor Sadism, where the lady sits down next to a tree and there's faces and stuff in the top uh, of it and. Uh, huh. The effects in this are decent. They're not great, but they're uh, very, very much um, overlays and optical effects where, you know, it's very simple of let's shoot this scene with the people here. We'll remove them and now we'll fade them out with this. (laughs) There's a lot of very simple, actually relatively well done effects like that. They eventually run into the reason they shouldn't be there, which is this giant demon creature, which is Actually, very well realized. Pretty good effect. Keeps a nice uh, creepiness of it. Creatures or whatever is living there, like steals all the books mm-hmm. and then returns the books and, shall we say, taken apart form. <laughs> so pages <laughs> all, over the, all over the thing. Which I'm like, why did they do that? But all right. But so this is a disjointed film. Mm-hmm. The way the folk tales are told is not, they're not explained because these people don't necessarily know what is going on around them. Mm. Uh, the tracker explains some of the stuff. Some of it's left to not know. It's kind of like, well, do they want to possess the people? 
Uh, this is a film that I think would benefit greatly on a second viewing. Mm-hmm. And the, the there's the constant battle between the tracker wanting to find out what's going on with the people that are living in this valley and the preacher, of course, wanting to convert them. <laughs> Everything will be fine if they just become Christians like us. <laughs> They're, the woman that had power is actually, she's not a witch, she's a fairy. Oh. And the... She has, I'm not sure what all her powers are, but she seems to be able to do a lot of stuff, a lot of telekinesis-based things. Mm. And she has wings. And um, I was going to ask if she had wings. I'm glad. They show up briefly. I was about 45 minutes to an hour through this cut of the film, which is the original cut. And I noticed on the box set, there's a 45-minute long or 38-minute longer cut. Whoa. And I, so I was like, okay, what is the real difference that's going on here? So wow. I went and I looked into it and it's, it probably is a fairly different film because it's not, there's a one character that's cut out and then there's just extended scenes and things, mm-hmm. but the, the descriptions of what changed didn't make me go, well, damn it. Now I have to watch this version. Mm-hmm. I'll probably go back and watch it just to see the differences. Yeah. But uh, at this point for this day, as I gone, well, Time is of the essence, as always with our shows. <laughs> Movie's hard to talk about because it is a little bit less of a straightforward stories and a series, more of a, it, it's not quite a slice of life because this stuff happens over a long period of time, but it's presented more like, well, here's this circumstances here. Oh, this happened. Oh, this happened. Um, there's not as much of the story of the people settling and trying to make things work. It's more of what they run into while they're there. Um, and the ending, which I won't talk about, is wild and fun and very well done. There's also one very strange thing in this film, and it happens a lot. It's not just at the ending. There's all kinds of explosions. I mean, like Ralph Emmerich, Ralph, <laughs> Roland Emmerich <laughs> level <laughs> explosions where Whoa. shit just blows up like a giant gasoline fire in the middle of the woods. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Well, it looks cool. So some notes and trivia on the explosive movie about fairies and woods demons. Uh, part of the myth is that the natives believe that the um, devil is a real thing. And that particular that devil lives in this valley. Oh. And that's what they're trying to, that's what is getting after them. But oh. it goes in weird ways. It's... Uh, well, it's just, just it's a, it's good. It's worth watching. It's fairly well acted. It's fairly well shot. Mm. Um, but it's just very disjointed, and which you know, is true of a lot of the folk films, where it's more about uh, the idea of what's going on as opposed to telling the story of the people that are going through yeah. whatever that is. Taglines: When America was young, and spirits of evil reigned in a forest of darkness. The end. <laughs> <laughs> and credits exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the secret is sleeping in the trees it's better and, yeah and last one senate sinister evil is waiting in the woods mm-hmm. okay no none of them real bad none of them real great just <laughs> a nice little middle of the road there uh the one of the major roles of the actors that i didn't mention is rob paulson who became very famous for being pinky and Pinky in the Brain. Yes. <laughs> Whoa, Nelly. He is great. And he was also Yakko from Animaniacs. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. 
Oh, yes. He played some great characters there. <laughs> wow. Uh, the uh, New York Times' Karen James described it as a bizarrely fascinating story told in flashback. which is, That's part of why it's disjointed and hard to follow. Because it's the flashback and it's the kid. Narr- the narration is these kids that survived telling these French soldiers what happened. Uh, so it's it's bizarre, but it's really, like I said, it's interesting. I did... I'm glad I picked this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if the Scarlet Letter had zoned into the future and collided with the movie version of The Exorcist. Wow. That's okay. something. <laughs> uh, it also features a... Uh, oh, one of the extras that's not in the, the original cut was a political leader of the community sets out to track the people that ran away. And is being shown tracking them multiple times, only to be killed by the, oh, the Shawnee. Mm. Oh, <laughs> so okay. he really had nothing to do. So he's cut from the movie because he he had nothing to do with the movie. Oh, he's just mm. kind of an extra character, but he is in the uh, he is in the extended version. So there's a I don't know. There's a lot to see. There's so much in that damn box set too. Though I can't, do I want to watch oh, the same God. movie again, even a little bit longer, or do is I want the extended to... version like on that same disc? Though? Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I tell you, Blu-ray technology—it's amazing, <laughs> yeah. and it looks fantastic. The couple I was reading a little bit about it—this has actually been fairly unavailable for a very long. Oh, time. super unavailable! Yeah, the horrible VHS render or people looking around, and uh, bad enough to where when uh, the Shawnee—they think the Shawnee have given one of their children to them as a show of respect or something—is like what the preacher's interpretation of is it. And then, of course, when the fairy sees this kid, jet black, creepy, strange face with glowing eyes, and a few of the reviewers I read said, it was nice to actually see what that creature looked like, because you could not see it at all. <laughs> in the original. In the stuff, that, yeah. the bootleg stuff yeah. that was out there. And that must have been true for a lot of it, because yeah. it's all very, the trees and scenes like that are very dark imagery. Like really contrasting. Good. Wow. Um, there's only a glimpse of the wings in the short version, but the longer one apparently has a long, uh, more extended version. Um, as far as like, if you go to the Wikipedia or the IMDb or the interviews and the online write-ups about the movie, surprising lack of information. Mm. Uh, for a film that is, for one, that unavailable is actually a fairly well-known film. Yeah, it's, I remember... I, I've all I've known of it for a good fifteen or twenty years, but I've never seen it. And the only thing that I was ever aware of it being present in was as a as a, a like a bootleg DVD at some oh, of the booths yeah. at Crypticon, that sort of thing. <laughs> sure, yeah. What? No, those aren't allowed to be sold at Crypticon. <laughs> gray market, gray market, not black, not white, gray. Yeah, that's a weird thing. <laughs> so that kind of covers it. Yeah. Um, Cool. But that was a cool thing, you know, man. I wouldn't mind doing it again sometime just because there are so damn many movies I just know. on that disc. I know. We could definitely do at least one, two, five more <laughs> full quarter <laughs> oh, heck yeah. podcasts just because there's just so much content. But <sighs> yeah. Heck yeah. So uh, anyway, I guess that leads us to the topic for next week. Which would be my pick. Excellent. It's going to be kind of a weird one. Okay. Yes. We're doing slasher movies. Okay. With a huge caveat. They cannot 
and well, I'm going to throw Halloween in this, even though it came out in the you know, late 70s. It cannot be an 80s-based slasher movie. Oh! Or an 80s-based continuation. Like, you, oh, you know, oh, <laughs> I, I love Freddy so much, I'm doing new... New, uh, new Nightmare. Nope. nope. If it's an 80s franchise or anything like that, yeah. off the books. It's just got to be something non-80s connected. Slash. Well, that sounds like a, a cool gauntlet challenge. The gauntlet has been thrown down, my friend. <laughs> yes. We are equal to the challenge. So this is the point where we thank you very much yes. for listening to this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, and please uh, support us with a five-star review. Uh, we're at Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And a shout out, thank you to Ron this this last week for giving us a nice little, uh, bought us a whole bunch of pizzas and he said the I party will last all night. And yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys should have brought some over, man. You should have brought some over. <laughs> oh, and we do now have, it's in an, I would call it a rough phase. But if you go to Strange Eons Radio, we now have a page on our website that has all the Etsy stuff we're selling. Oh, cool. And I, because I find Etsy kind of a weird site to go to and yeah. look through. I, I yeah. have a hard time finding us on Etsy because there's another girl, I think, who is just strange eons. Yeah, or something, yeah. she's and also she, on YouTube. Yeah, it's very irritating. But, uh, <sighs> and she doesn't do anything involving <laughs> I know. anything strange she's eons. She's <sighs> girl who likes that term. Anyway, yeah, that's fine. That's okay. But so, yeah, if you go to strangeyoungradio.com, check out our shop there. It will link back to Etsy. So you're still buying it through Etsy. This is just an easier way to see some of the weirder things we have available there. Awesome. You're still selling the underwear, correct? Yes. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So does that wrap it up, folks? Yep. I think we're good. All right. Well, thanks again for listening, everyone, to Strange Eons Radio. And we will see you next week for Slashers with a Twist. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Strange Eons Radio is artisanal quality podcasting, handcrafted with all natural ingredients, and edited to perfection by Eric Margaret. Our blistering theme song is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider dropping a positive review on Apple Podcasts. No, I don't want to talk about it. Okay.